You're listening to The Conservative Conscience. In Washington, politicians are full of half-truths and hot air. The Conservative Conscience is here to help you cut through the rhetoric and noise and explore the politically right way to think about the issues. You'll dive into one of the most insightful conservative minds in America. Conservative Review Senior Editor Daniel Horowitz. And along with co-host Joe Koss, they break down the major issues in Washington. You are now entering The Conservative Conscience. And welcome back to The Conservative Conscience. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz, here in the house on Monday, May 1st. My gosh, it's already May. May Day. Well, this may as well be May Day. We may as well celebrate communism in this country because communism has become bipartisan. All right. I I know I'm always a sack of bad news. And, you know, I wish I could have good news for you. And like I said on Steve Dace's show, I know many of you see it, and those of you who do not, that means you do not subscribe to CRTV, bad, bad boys and girls there, 99 bucks, you get everything. This is the only network that's not a porn network and actually has thought-stimulating, accurate content from a conservative perspective. So you see me out on CRTV every week with Steve Dace, and I mention the fact that we don't have all the answers, But we actually do have some solutions that we built on, and I want to get to some of that and something that you could do right here and right now that will spawn a revolution and make a difference. But beyond that, there is utility to at least acknowledging the severity of the problem, recognizing the facts of the problem, where the problem is, so that we could come to a solution rather than bury our heads in the sand and think, oh, Republicans won, Trump won, uh, Hillary's not elected, we're, you know, long live the Republic. Uh, No. So we're going to discuss this budget betrayal from hell and what it means. And, you know, you guys are ahead of the curve because we've been talking about this for two months already. (laughs) So there's nothing really new. It just actually happened, and we're just going to dissect what happened a little bit. But before that, just a couple of notes here. So Trump's considering raising the gas tax to help for infrastructure spending. So this is the problem once you start saying, you know, a lot of conservatives have already said, well, let's maybe we agree to it, you know, it'll be popular. Um, Maybe we can get Democrats to use that to support tax cuts, which, of course, they'll never get to, and we'll talk about that either this time or later um, in, in another episode this week. Once you start agreeing to the premise of the other side, well, then you gotta pay for it. I mean, it's never going to end, and that's why it doesn't surprise me that now we're on to raising the gas tax, which it, it just – that will destroy his presidency if it hasn't already been destroyed. Another note I want to make, we've been talking a lot about a sense of proportionality and expectations and what you expect, that we have these gratuitous betrayals from the administration and the party broadly. I'm not going to blame it all on Trump, but it certainly doesn't escape blame. But then they hand us roses. Well, we got this. We got that. You know, let, let, let me let me just put it this way. We have nothing left but better polling for more liberal policies. That's all we're stuck with. And what I want to note here, what what is this? Let me just read this here. Donald Trump says AHCA will be every bit as good as Obamacare on pre-existing conditions. That it, that type of rhetoric, messaging, the premise, the focus behind that statement is exactly what is skyrocketing the polling numbers for Obamacare. 
Meaning rather than coming in there on January 20th, gone, full repeal, you have a transition period, done, we replace it with the things we said we would, done. You know, you'll, you'll have to punch through some of the blowback, and but then you'll have all the advantages of it. Here, they're taking a piecemeal like, oh boy, we got, and instead of focusing on how dare you destroy healthcare in America, you put the blame on the other side. We're like, oh boy, there's so much good in Obamacare pre-existing. Oh, we, we better watch out. We better make sure, no, no, don't worry, our, our plan will have enough. And then you, you sit and get into a debate. No, your plan doesn't have enough. No, it does. Well, how do you score points on defense? At best, you'll come out to par with that argument, um, but most likely you'll lose. You know, Trump says, I want it to be good for sick people. I mean, that sounds so defensive. This is political malpractice. This is how... This is exactly what gives us a Republican Party that does nothing but make the other side's issues more popular, whereas they were in the toilet before. Oh, but, you know, I could talk about how great Trump is because he went to Harrisburg instead of going to the uh, White House Correspondents' Dinner, hanging out with the elitist media. He went to the people. I mean, that's lovely. But again, this is – that's all packaging. That's all bluster. I want to hear representing the people when it matters, when the point of leverage and the point of contention to actually affect the outcome of the critical promises on Obamacare, on the budget, on immigration, on the courts, on the Iran deal. I want I want him to be with us at those moments. These rallies are meaningless. It's like taking a piece of crap, putting it in a box and putting a fancy bow tie wrapping around it. I'm sick of this already. And then we have the budget betrayal. So what happened this week? So today's Monday. Um, you know, if you remember, the budget funding expired last Friday night. And of course, oh, you can't have a government shutdown, even though the government shuts down, especially the government that would shut down anyway, always shuts down every weekend. So it's not like it would shut down. But, oh, you can't have a shutdown. So if you remember, they passed a one-week stopgap CR. Um and then today they came out with the long-term omnibus. Well, why did it, you know, why did they need an extra few days? So what happened was the Democrats saw that they got 95% of what they want. In other words, they jettisoned, in the words of Nancy Pelosi, 160 Republican priorities. Now they said, you know what? Once we know they are so maniacally scared of a shutdown, because I think there was some doubt in their minds. They knew when Republicans were in Congress, they were always like that. But maybe now that they control all three branches in the presidency, maybe Trump would grow some moxie. They didn't know. He's kind of unpredictable. And then when they saw how badly even Trump was like, oh, no, 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 you could have it. The border fence, you you could have it. Then they're like, screw it. You know what? We're going to get not only are we going to jettison the Republican priorities in the budget, we're going to get our riders into the budget. And indeed, they did. Now, I haven't had time to gather everything, and I'll link to the article I I just put out, um, Budget Betrayal Beyond Belief, Dem Priorities Funded, Trump Scuttled. And I go through it all. It funds Planned Parenthood. It funds funds sanctuary cities. funds refugee resettlement. It increases spending for a number of liberal priorities, the very priorities Trump said he would cut. It saves the EPA from spending cuts. It gives Puerto Rico a $295 billion bailout for their stupid Medicaid program that they, you know, again, they, they run their place into the ground like no, no different than California. Give them a bailout because they're Puerto Rico and we have to do it. Um, have a provision adding more H2B low skilled workers, $990 million more for the Food for Peace program in Africa. HHS gets another $2.8 billion, $2 billion more for the NIH. Green energy programs get plussed up. 
And by the way, the federal judiciary. So instead of using Congress, the Article One powers over the courts, Article One powers over spending to demonstrate to the courts who's boss, they actually increase the federal judiciary's budget by um, 3% to $7.4 billion. Oh, Daniel, what do you mean? Congress funds the judiciary? Oh, yeah, they, they actually do. Believe it or not, the judiciary doesn't get their funding from God. Um, it funds California's high-speed rail boondoggle, which everyone agrees has failed already. Um, and the House had a provision in their version to take it out, but, you know, of course it got put back in there. That's all that has been funding. What, what has not been funded? The border wall. Oh, but Daniel, they, they threw an extra $1.5 billion for additional border security. It's meaningless. If you don't fund the wall, or by the way, it also doesn't fund increasing ICE agents for deportations. So watch very carefully. You know, it says for, for infrastructure for the border or, you know. Okay, so yeah, 665 page, 1.16 trillion bill, bill dropped at 2 p.m. at night. Um, we had a rough night last night. Our two-year-old kept getting out of bed and you know banging on our door and everything. And I kind of saw it on my phone at the time. I was thinking of writing about it then, but I waited for the morning. Um, yeah, I mean, again, it's no surprise to the audience, but I'm actually a little bit. I'm, I'm even impressed. I mean, this is breathtaking. It, it, this would be breathtaking if Republican Republicans had just control of the House. But the House, the Senate, the White House, my gosh. Which leads me to my broader point here. This is not a capitulation. This is perfidy. It's not capitulation. Capitulation means I want to defund Planned Parenthood. I want I, I want to block refugee resettlement. I want to cut spending, but I'm scared. I'm I don't know. I'm a loser. You can't that's what I'm saying. You can't get run over by a parked car. You can't lose here with the little power the Democrats have. They don't share our values. I, I don't know how to say this any other way. I, you know, I have trouble. I'm on these radio shows, and they ask me all these questions as if there's something complicated going on here. I'm like, you know, why are they doing this? I'm like, well, they, they don't share our values. I mean, it's like someone cheats on you 100 times, you know, maybe after the first or second time you do a double take. Wait, did, did he just commit adultery? I, I mean, but after a while, I mean, it's, it's obvious that that's who they are. I mean, they... they don't share our values. We're stupid for continuing to go along with it. When are we going to learn? Then you have the other half of this where everyone is giving excuses for Trump. It's all Congress. It's all McConnell and Ryan, but not Trump. Trump, the, first of all, the White House put out um, a memo basically uh, touting how great this is, you know, all the things that they secured in it. So give me a break. Now, you might say, well... They undercut his leverage. Well, gee, what were you doing the last month? You, the audience here on Conservative Conscience, you knew about this for two months. We were talking about the importance of it, the leverage you'd have, the issues you could put in. I tried to raise it with the White House, some officials there. OMB fell on deaf ears. This is the problem. He is everything we thought he was. He is the embodiment of the establishment. He doesn't care. He was too busy yelling at conservatives. Why don't you see him on Twitter calling out McConnell and the appropriators for selling him out? Meaning, there's two problems. One is either 
he doesn't share the values that people thought he did, which, you know, you and I both know that. Or he's a weakling. I mean, you, you said, oh, he was a strong guy. He is the head of the party. Yes, I understand constitutionally it's a separate branch of government. And the, you know, they could do what they want. But first of all, by the way, on that point, yes. And you know what? Donald Trump could veto it. He could issue a veto threat. He doesn't have to sign it. So that's where he could get back at it. But again, it's not getting back at it because politically, when you're the president and your party has the majority in both houses, you set the agenda. That was true when Democrats had that with Obama the first two years. It was true when Bush had it. It was true when Carter had it. That's always the case. If you're on the same team and you're the same political party, the White House sets the agenda. They say weeks in advance, you will fight for this. These are our red lines. This is what you're going to do. They went along with this. They were too busy bashing conservatives. Somehow you don't see him bashing moderates. And by the way, on the health care bill, isn't it interesting how, again, you know, you guys know my thoughts already on the House Freedom Caucus feeling like they just had to go along with this deal. But now the, the, the liberal Republicans are saying it's too much for them. They're scuttling it. You're not even getting a vote on that. So where's Trump calling them out by name, the Tuesday group on Twitter? Where are they? Where is he thanking the Freedom Caucus for being cooperative? Nowhere. That's what proves the fraud here. Because somehow, like, his lunch money is taken. He doesn't know. Excuses. But when it comes to attacking conservatives, he's very strong. And he knows what's going on. Go, go defend that. There's a lot of profundity in the Republican cowardice again it's not really cowardice because they don't share our values they don't want to fight but this notion oh my gosh we can't have government shut down right so then everyone laughs well if you tell the democrats that then they can just literally humiliate And, and that's the thing you know chuck schumer could get up there and say i will shut the government down i will not support any spending bill until Mitch McConnell walks buck naked on the Senate floor. And you know what? Mitch McConnell would go out and do it. And that's basically what he was doing. He's like, I'm gonna I'm not gonna allow you to capitulate. I'm gonna you have to give more concessions to for, for, for just for the honor of capitulating. And that's what took an extra few days to get the Puerto Rico bailout. Oh, and one other thing I forgot. So so um here, let, let me let me read this to you. Well, first, oh gosh, I have so much to say. I'm losing track here. Let me first finish this thought here. So this is ground and pound mode with the Democrats. The analogy I'd give you here is like it's like having a hundred pound woman not just get a lucky punch into a three hundred pound boxer, but downright out in the open be able to body slam a three hundred pound boxer wrestler and then get on top of them and ground and pound. That's what you. That's what you have here with with Democrats. With just the minority of one body, not just having some sort of lucky media narrative where a certain thing occurred that really hurt Republicans or something, a scandal or or news story that really spoke to the budget deal. And, you know, no, they're just, just out in the open, just ground and pound them and demand more and more. And by the way, it, it, what, what's so funny is the Democrats are now taking this to the new level. So what's the next level? So the, once you get everything you want in the actual budget bill, they're now saying, you know what? We're not going to vote. So even though they forged a deal, keep in mind the vote won't be till Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, depending on which body, the House, Senate, whatever the timing. And um, you know, even though it's seventeen hundred pages, but you know, we got to rush and vote on it in a week and in, in, in a day and a half. But I digress. Anyway, 
what's amazing is they're saying we might not allow you to vote on this if you even conduct a vote on the health care bill. <laughs> so it's a new thing. It's not just saying I won't vote for your budget bill and I'll shut down the government if you don't give us what we want in the budget. We won't vote for it if you even attempt to vote on other things we don't like. And, and think about it. why shouldn't the Democrats do it? Why shouldn't they do it? Anyway, hold that thought. I want to get back to the profundity of how the Republicans giving away their leverage with Democrats in a government shutdown is there's a second layer of conservatives, grassroots, giving up their leverage to Republicans. What is the conservative version of we can't have a government shutdown? I'm going to get to that in a minute. But anyway, before I forget, I want to go through this here. And let me just try to find this online here. So the White House put out a statement defending it. And you said, the budget deal, it's great. It funds the president's priority, military spending. Well, okay, look, it did add to military spending. But look, Democrats are always willing to spend more money. Um, and especially with the military being chopped up, it's kind of unanimous. Everyone agrees to that. It's just the Democrats are saying you have to spend more on non-defense spending. And Republicans are saying, no, well, we have a major deficit problem. We're going to have to pay for those spending increases with cuts. So they got what they wanted. So, I mean, oh, I got more military spending. Gee. Okay. Another thing, which to me, um, they, then, then they say, oh, law enforcement is funded more, you know, uh, the, 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 um, more detention beds are funded. Well, notice what they don't have in there. Oh, oh, and no, new border roads, new border barriers. Yeah, the barriers. I have, I have an article on this showing these makeshift little things that you could just walk right over. That was Trump's whole point. Notice they don't talk about the fence or um, or hiring more ICE agents. So that's that's that. Okay, the bailout for the West Virginia coal miners. Oh. And, and and this bill didn't have the bailout for the cost-sharing subsidies. Yes, and guess, guess why it didn't? Because Trump agreed to illegally continue appropriating funds without a congressional appropriation for them. He's doing it administratively, even though we won a court case against it. If anything, once you're going to do it, do it constitutionally, just appropriate the funds. I mean, that's how dishonest this is. Three-year extension of the D.C. School Choice Scholarship. <sighs> That was never on the chopping block anyway. I mean, like, again, but but I could always point things, you know, oh, we got this, we got that. Meaningless. And by the way, ju- just to demonstrate, just to close the loop on my broader point that this is not a capitulation, it's a betrayal. It's not that they're, that they want our values, but they're too scared or weak and pathetic and fighting for it. They don't want it because you know what McConnell did get? And you know what he always gets? One point of contention they didn't give the Democrats was the campaign finance stuff. So there's always this rider that McConnell's able to stick in there to block the um, FEC, Federal Election Commission, from promulgating this rule that Obama wrote, Obama's FEC wrote, um, mandating disclosure of campaign donors for, for certain certain donors. So somehow that's not in there. And again, I agree on the policy. I'm just saying, notice what they want to get in there. The campaign finance and stuff, that's what McConnell believes in. The few things they get in there, you'll see what they believe in. Also, you know, and then a handful of things, they have to have the roses to throw it out. So they, the, I, I've heard these conversations before, by the way. Chuck Schumer is very cognizant of that, that Republicans need some fake talking point to go. But he said that before to go back um, and send to their district. So, you know, he, he gives them this stuff. But it, it's pathetic. So don't tell me that Trump's not in on this. Give me a break. It's pathetic. Totally, utterly pathetic we warned about all this you know i could just replay our shows from last year i don't take pride in being right here but 
it is what it is. It is what it is. So now let me get back to what I wanted to tell you before. You know, right after Ted Cruz lost Indiana, um, almost a year to this day, a couple weeks before that in April, I wrote an article and, you know, when Trump was a presumptive nominee, don't throw your panties at Trump quite yet. That was my article. Let me read it to you. Now, some of this stuff is a little dated, but it speaks to this. And you're going to see how it ties into government, you know, budget, government shutdown and uh, Republicans' uh, budget betrayal. We've experienced this rodeo show for decades. The media picks our nominee, whether it's for president, senate, or governor. That lucky individual has never fought a single battle for conservatives on a single issue his entire life and has even carried water for the other side on some critical important issues. Yet he ran as a conservative in the primary and railed against the Democrats. The media, whether local or national, anointed this individual and helped him run a dehumanization campaign against his conservative opponent. Not surprisingly, that man wins the primary and the other man, irrespective of his lifelong reputation, is left with the image of a dirtbag in the minds of most voters by the end of the election. That's Ted Cruz for you. Within minutes, in come the mindless drones who lecture conservatives as follows. Shut up. Get in line. What do you want, huh? Are you going to allow the Democrats to win and the world will come crashing down? Huh? Huh? How do conservatives expect to secure a single commitment from the man who knows not what the word commitment means if they begin obsequiously working the stage for Mr. Trump without batting an eyelash? There is nothing new under the sun with what has transpired this cycle. For all the talk about how this election has been unprecedented, it has really played out the same way it always does. It's just that this year, this particular rhino who won has been even more liberal and capricious for his entire life and is even more of a decadent character. And yet, within 24 hours of this man accusing his opponent's father of being associated with Lee Harvey Oswald, the drones are already out in full force demanding that everyone throw their panties to the stage. Even if one buys into the notion that it's worth saving the Republican Party and continuing this cycle of madness, and even if one can bring themselves to vote for such a depraved character— the fact that conservatives would do this so two and a half months before the convention, again, this is speaking last April, and seven months before the election is insane. Mark Levin shared a trenchant observation last night on his radio show. The vacuous threat of, quote, we can't let the Democrats win, unquote, is the conservative equivalent of the rhino-bromide, rhino-bromide, we can't shut the government down. Remember, when McConnell and Boehner would always let Obama know six months ahead of time that they'd give him what he wants because their maniacal fear of a, of a shutdown. This is how they ensured Republicans came away with zero concessions from Democrats. The same lesson applies to conservatives within the GOP. The party oligarchs know with full certitude that conservatives are so revolted by the prospect of Democrats winning that they'll immediately come back to the chosen nominee no matter the views or character of the GOP oligarch candidate. They know that Republicans will then proceed to work with Democrats on some of the most important issues, but don't you dare vote for the Republican. I'm sorry, don't you dare not vote for the Republican lest we get the Democrat. This at its core is what has destroyed the party, the movement, and the country over the past half century. By fearing the alternative and refusing to play the long game and rebuild the truly di different party, we always wind up getting the dreaded alternative even when Republicans are elected. This is why we are here today. I'm not going to bore you with the rest of it. Um, you know, it, it speaks more to what was going on at the time. But that this is the point. We know Republicans. But as conservatives, this is our government shutdown. 
oh my gosh, we can't get the Democrat. So we're all, look, everyone's agreeing with me now. All the radio shows I'm on, everyone's like, Daniel, all your article is amazing. Everyone's all upset now. What are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? And I guarantee you, if we don't succeed in changing this culture within the movement, much less the party, they're going to continue the same skin. Oh, you might get the Democrats. Gee, we got the Democrats. That is our government shutdown. That is our leverage. Just like the establishment tells the Democrats ahead of time that no matter what, they will cave to them because they are terrified they will not shoot the hostage. They're terrified of a government shutdown. We are so terrified of Democrats getting elected and we telegraph that message. Republicans know we will remain on that plantation no matter what, every time, every day of the week. That is where we are. And that speaks to where we're headed. You guys know I've been, I I personally endorsed Judge Roy Moore for Alabama Senate. Let me tell you something. This is not just a random Senate race. And by the way, that is not a CR, CRTV endorsement. We have a lot of other people here. I don't want to speak for them. This is my personal endorsement. This speaks to everything we're up to. This whole notion that, oh, we're going to defund Planned Parenthood. Oh, well, actually, when it comes to the point of leverage, we won't. Judge Roy Moore is one of the only men to have ever been in Republican politics to mean what he says and says what he means. It also speaks to the courts. I'm going to have a lot of articles this week out on stuff that no one's talking about going on in the courts. The constitutional crisis. This is the single most important issue because it affects every issue. It's the most systemic constitutional crisis we have. We don't just need an originalist in the courts. We need an originalist in the Senate who understand who understands the Article 1 and Article 3 roles and the roles of, of, of the Senate in fighting back against a rogue judiciary. We need a man of integrity. You know, this Luther Strange guy was appointed by the corrupt Governor Bentley, who's now disgraced, had to resign in disgrace from the threat of impeachment. He had a worse scandal than, than the Monica Lewinsky scandal. And yet he appointed this guy, and Mitch McConnell, I have a good word, called the new acting governor and said, don't have a special election in August. Go and you know, keep the date, make the date next November because they wanted to give him two years of incumbency. To her enduring credit, the acting governor, uh, what's her name, Kay Ivey, she said, no, the people need to decide. He's not an incumbent, and we're having the election August 15th, August 15th. So in comes the National Republican Senatorial Committee, and they say we're going to blackball any vendor, any campaign vendor who votes – Who I'm sorry, not votes, but su- supports an opponent. Now, there are a few opponents, but they meant Roy Moore. <laughs> he's, the, he's the biggest opponent, and um, I mean they are maniacally afraid of him. This was within 24 hours after he announced That's what they did. And and I could tell you this is a very good tactic because you know it's it's hard enough to have cons- to find consultants who are willing to work for true conservatives and usually even the ones that do they also have to have establishment clients in some other you know part of the cycle just to earn a living so they say we're going to cut off all contracts and it just it doesn't just mean the nrc you say all right so they won't work for the nrc but they'll bully all the other candidates or sitting members incumbent members you better not use yada yada consulting group this is what they did in 2014 every every one of you i know is a patriot you want you badly ask me what could we do and look it, it's tough we need a new party 
like I told you guys, I support the Federalist Party. It's not there yet. Obviously, in terms of ballot access, our buddies over there are working very hard to build um, build an infrastructure. Definitely support them. But I need you to support Judge Roy Moore. The website is Judge Roy Moore for Senate. Judge Roy Moore, M-O-O-R-E, for Senate.com. You know what to do. I cannot think of a single way. Uh, and he right now, he's the front runner. He has more name ID than any of them. Luther Strange is tainted as anything. Another establishment candidate is going to come in and and uh, split the vote. I mean, we're for sure going to get to the runoff. Um, you know, once the rubber meets the road, there, there we'll have ten million dollars dropped on him. This is everything you ever believed in. I, I have never believed in, in in a man more than him. As you guys know, I voted for him for president. I filled in his name. You know, I live in Maryland. It didn't matter anyway. Hillary always wins. Democrat always wins, and I voted for him. This is my number one all-time favorite conservative in politics. His legacy speaks for itself, and it speaks to everything going on. Oh, I'm terrified. All the courts are terrible. Oh, but it's the law of the land. No, it is not. And he was willing to – he laid it all out on the line. And you know what's interesting? And I'm going to have an article on this pretty soon. Look at how far backwards we've fallen. 14 years ago, the first round of Judge Moore when he so-called defied the courts on the Ten Commandment thing. You had – the entire conservative movement fought about that. You had Ron Paul introduce legislation um, stripping the courts of power over this stuff and marriage and all sorts of things. Um, the, the establishment members of Alabama, Congressman Robert Adderholt, Senator um, Shelby introduced legislation. It was called like – it was almost dubbed as the Roy Moore bill. They all backed him. And some of this stuff passed the House, by the way, jurisdiction stripping legislation. As I call for my book, Stolen Sovereignty, if you haven't gotten it, it literally speaks to what, what's going on. Stolen Sovereignty, uh, uh, available at Amazon.com. Just Google it. But anyway, these guys were all for him. 14 years later, when even under more corrupt circumstances, he gets thrown out for nothing. On marriage, which we said is a state function, Anthony Kennedy himself said in the Windsor decision, feds have no business in it. Well, he meant the federal, other federal government. The courts have business in everything. Nobody backed him. Nobody, nobody in the movement even knows what happened. I'm finding that. I was one of the few people who even wrote about it. No one cares. That is why it's so important we say we do care. This is what we stand for. This speaks to everything. You want to know, Daniel, what could I do? What could I do? What, what, what are your ideas? Again, we've discussed a lot of ideas, but this is the most immediate way to spawn a revolution. He's not just another conservative good candidate. He, he speaks to something so powerful based on what he's done that nobody else has ever done. Based on the issue set that we're dealing with, that is a way to send the message to Trump, to the establishment, to the Trump establishment, and all of this. And say this is unacceptable. Anyway, as always, I need you guys to support our sponsors. You know, <laughs> you just had 0.7% GDP growth. I can't tell you how unprecedented that is for the first quarter. Um, literally going, what, what is it, 15 years without without 4% growth, um, 12 years without 3% growth. This is the most pr- protracted period of stagnation out after World War II. 
which is why gold is always going to be the best hedge against economic uncertainty, especially in the long run, especially for retirement. You could actually put your IRA funds into gold, and and uh, I want you guys to go to Birch Gold, which has a longstanding track record of success. They are supporters of our values. Get your free information kit on physical precious metals from our buddies over at Birch Gold. 16-page guy reveals how gold and silver can protect your savings and how to legally move your IRA or 401k out of risky stocks and bonds and into precious metals. Again, I'm not for dumping all your funds there. No one's telling you that. Just you know, try a little bit diversification. Um, that's what I'm doing. Get your free no obligation kit at birchgold.com forward slash dr. That is B-I-R-C-H-Gold.com forward slash CR. Thanks as always. We're gonna try to get Judge Moore on our show sometime this week, God willing. God bless y'all. Take care. This has been another episode of the Conservative Conscience. Conservative Conscience.